Welcome to the Politics of Everything. I'm Amber Danes, your host and podcast producer. This is a half hour of power, a podcast dropping every week where I unpack the politics of everything, from money to motherhood, nutrition to narcissism, startups to secularism, the environment, quality, and much, much more. Our guests are seasoned in the field or topic of their choice, even if you've not heard of them yet. This is a non-partisan show. So while I love exploring varied views and get a buzz from a healthy debate of ideas, this is not a purely blue, white, green program. Please subscribe, tune in and enjoy the politics of everything. Today's guest is passionate about men's health, but not just young and already genetically blessed men, especially family-minded men who, like many busy folks, may have neglected their health, their well-being as they take care of their careers, their families, and everything else that life might throw at them. So my guest is an expert in this area, and I can't wait to dive into our conversation. Gabrielle Pluges is part of a company called Default Kings, a business that helps family-minded men achieve permanent weight loss by changing their subconscious habits. The company has helped about 300 men drop an average of 27 pounds. You can do the conversion to kilos if you are in Australia like me, and is projected to surpass 1.5 million in revenue in this year. He's part of a wider organization, as in Gabriel joined another entrepreneur, Joey Yoshheim, and started this entrepreneurial journey in 2020. And while studying exercise science at John Carroll University, and Joey was working as a personal trainer. After eight months of making no money online, Joey signed up his first client, September 2021. Four months later, in January 2022, he left school to take on entrepreneurship full-time, and then he has then partnered with Gabe and Jack lie too. And the three of them in the business have tripled their top line. So more than a gross story, I'm really keen to find out why they have been successful and what matters when it comes to helping men be fitter and healthier long-term. Welcome to the politics of everything, Gabe. Thank you so much. Thank you for the warm introduction, Amber. Podcasting remotely can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Since 2017, I have relied on Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution to make the process quick and painless, the way podcasting should be. If you know me, I'm pretty obsessed with quality guests, quality content, and quality sound, and that's what Zencaster allows me to do. Not to mention, it's really easy to use, even for my guests that aren't particularly tech-savvy. There's nothing to download, they just click on the link and we start recording. Zencaster is all about making your podcasting experience easy and with everything from local recording to automatic post-production all in the one tool, you don't have to leave your browser to get each episode done. I want you to have the same great experience that I do for all my podcasts and content needs. So I have a special offer for you. If you go to zen.ai forward slash politics of everything and enter this promo code, you'll get 30% off in your first three months when you sign up to Zencaster Pro. That's Zed. E-N dot A-I, politics of everything. It's now time to share your story. So I wanted to dig into your backstory before we get into the business. Do you remember what you wanted to do as a kid? Did you sort of kind of get onto that path in some way? Did you do some study? What was your early career trajectory, if you like, about? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. I think it's really relevant uh, to this entire struggle that we're going to dive into today. As a young kid, I had no clue what I wanted to do, like most young children. But as I grew older into my teenage years, the main focal point of my life became my father's health. 
because of how impactful it was on me and my family. And so into my high school years and college years, I developed a huge passion for health and fitness. You can imagine me in high school taking all these classes and doing all this research almost as to try to find a cure for my father's health, right? And uh, and so did college, he have chronic conditions? Yeah. Well, like, do you mind sharing a little bit about, you mm-hmm. know, I guess maybe what some of his health challenges were? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he actually has type 2 diabetes, and uh, the severity of that type 2 diabetes also led to issues with heart disease and, and unfortunately cancer at a certain point. But he had had that since you know he was a teenager himself. And I started to see the negative delayed implications of that as he got into his 30s and 40s, as obviously I started to grow older. And that's when seeing the essentially rock bottom of his health became the focal point of, of my entire life at that point. Wow, that's pre- that's pretty impactful stuff. So for you, how did you get into health and fitness? And I guess, did you kind of become a trainer? Like, have you studied nutrition? What's kind of your pathway into becoming part of Default Kings? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, great question. So the way that I got into this was when I was a younger kid, you know, and I saw the importance of health and fitness, I started just physically training myself at a really young age, at probably 12 years old, right? And of course, as, as a young boy, there's a ton of other benefits that come from that, like the confidence and being better at sports and all of those things. But as it became a little bit more than just you know having cool muscles to me, and it became more about long-term health for me as I uh, graduated uh, high school and got into college, um, I started to study kinesiology, which is exercise science, right? So I started to study this directly. I was training some people in person. And after my first year of doing this, myself and Jack Bly, we kind of put our heads together and really just decided we should start a business, right? We had this conversation at the at the end of a gym session and we were asking each other, what do you want out of life? What are your goals? And we didn't really have any other answers other than to make enough money to take care of our families, right? And to, to make more money than we could have made given what we were currently studying, right? And so literally the next day, myself and Jack meet in a study room in my community college with a blank sheet of paper that said business plan. And that's when this company technically was created. Of course, it's evolved 9 million times over since that point. But that was the entry point for Default Kings. Amazing. And did you know what you're doing? I mean, with a business plan, obviously, you need more than a blank piece of paper. How did you kind of have that vision and, and an idea of what those first maybe few months were going to look like? Yeah. No, we had absolutely no idea what we were doing, <laughs> none whatsoever. And that lasted a little bit longer than the first few months. It actually lasted the first year to year and a half to, to 16 months or so, 18 months where we didn't even take home a, a single cent in profit in that first year and a half long period. We were working, right? We, we were working at it as intensely as we could. We were learning everything we could, but we just couldn't seem to budge forward. And we got to a point where obviously our responsibilities started to pick up as just getting into adulthood, right? And we start to actually have a, a deep need for making money at this point, other than just to have the business be something that produces money. We need to take care of ourselves. We needed to buy groceries. And we sat down at my desk and we kind of you know, slammed our fists on the desk and said, we need to make money. 
And at this point, although we had $0 in profit, the business bank account had about $1,000 in it, right? And each of us personally had about 500 total dollars personally available to ourselves. And we found this mentor online who was charging precisely $2,000 for his mentorship program. This was a business mentorship. And, you know, we contemplated this. It was going to be literally every single dollar that we had. And we put it all in. We just pushed the chips forward on this business mentorship, 500 out of each of our personal accounts, the thousand that was in the business account. And from that point forward, the very next month, we make our investment back. And it was off to the races from there. Fantastic. Well, that's that's a great sort of, I guess, kickoff period for you. The brand name is interesting. What does it mean and how does it really reflect what you stand for and what you do? Default Kings is in reference to default actions. Default actions are what we're talking about when we're referencing the subconscious habits that men find themselves doing regardless of their motivations or regardless of their prior knowledge. So an example would be the 40-year-old dad who has done a lot of research when it comes to how to lose weight, and he generally understands what he needs to do. At a very baseline, he understands that he needs to stop eating so many chips every night, right? And he's very motivated to do so because he understands the implications of having bad health, not just on himself, but on his family. Yet he finds himself continuing to reach his hand in the bag of chips anyway, Sometimes even consciously thinking to himself, why are you doing this? Stop doing this. If you were just to stop doing this, your life would be so much better. But he does it anyway. Yeah. That's where Default Kings comes from. Interesting. Great. Well, I think it's good to have a brand name that is memorable too, you know, because there's so many people in the similar space, I imagine, and and yours definitely stands out. So how do you think online fitness and well-being can be more than a fad for your clients. How do you keep the men that you're targeting engaged and motivated long-term? Because we all know at the beginning of the year, yep. most people signed up to a gym, bought some sort of you know diet book, bought some recipe plans, whatever they bought. And probably by now, it's starting to wane and old habits come back. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that we do is we address this problem head on that actually happens to be the main focal point of our entire system is underlying the is is addressing the underlying habits right because if people have the right habits in place at a subconscious level if they have healthy default actions then the same way they'd find themselves reaching their hand in a bag of chips regardless of how motivated they feel in that moment they will find themselves picking the healthy food in the times where they're motivated to do so or not they'll find themselves getting their workouts in in the times where they're, they're motivated to do so or not. So the main focus of our entire system is to address their default actions, their underlying habits. And we do that by figuring out what beliefs and triggers they hold that lead to those underlying habits. So this idea of triggers is pretty common nowadays in the self-improvement space and the habit changing space. That is absolutely a factor that comes into play where when we see that men have certain stressful life events, they default to stress eating, right? Or we see that when men have just changes in their routine, they revert back to old unhealthy habits. But the other piece of the puzzle here is their beliefs. And the specific belief that's most impactful is how they identify their self-identity. Because on top of having circumstantial triggers, that push these men towards their unhealthy habits, like a stressful day at work or a changing routine, all of these men also have a perception of themselves 
that ends up dictating that they have unhealthy habits. So, so what lost would be the, an example of that? Like how, how, would, that, how mm-hmm. would that manifest itself? Like just mm-hmm. their self-talk or how they've mm-hmm. always been told by yeah. other people that they, they are, you know, you're lazy or I don't know, I'm just using sort of, you know, colloquial language. What would it be that, that right. would define that? So what tends to define this is actually their past failures from what we find. The men who have been losing the battle to weight loss for 20 plus years, so to speak. Because these men in every other area of their lives have been smart enough to figure out how to build a career, smart enough to figure out how to raise a family. But for some reason, they haven't figured out how to lose weight and keep it off. And when they have had those repeated failures, they start to accept the fact that they're just the man who is undisciplined, just the man who is lazy. And that manifests itself in the self-talk, right? Where when they have that good streak of Monday through Friday on the diet and then fall off Saturday through Sunday, instead of those two days just being a blip and getting right back on track, they are consumed by their failures. They are consumed by that negative self-talk. I'm just the guy who can't stick it through. I'm just the guy who has no self-control. I'm just the guy who's lazy. I'm the fat POS, (laughs) right? That's where we start to see that It's not just that things happen that throw them off track, but it's that they view themselves as a man who is unhealthy, as a man who's undisciplined, and that itself keeps them off track. Yeah, that that makes sense, and I think a lot of that will be very familiar to people listening today. In Australia, the statistics aren't great. Men die in greater numbers than women. It's probably similar in the US from every other non-specific gender-related problem. Overall, every two women who die, three men will die. So compared to women, men visit the doctor less, frequently have shorter visits and only attend obviously when they feel like they can't battle on with whatever problem they have. Is preventative health part of this missing link? And and can you explain your view on this? When you say preventative health, uh, are you talking about the men themselves actually being more willing to address their health? Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think it's being aware of getting, you know, what they need before they get chronic conditions, whether yeah. that be diabetes, heart disease, um, you know, all the other bits and pieces that go with with getting older, but also is there other things they could be doing in their life earlier that will set them up for success? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think all of these things are are true, right? The problem that we find is especially uniquely with men is that, as men, you, you, we hear the, the, in a very negative connotation often, right? Men have egos, so to speak, right? And that, that can be an entire podcast in itself. But that perception of self, a man's identity, a man's ego, so to speak, ends up dictating when they ask for help. So what happens is men can be faced with so many logical, on paper, health complications. Men can have the evidence that they need healthcare. <laughs> Men can have the evidence that they need to make uh, changes to their lifestyle, but they'll hold on to the very last moment when it seems like there's no hope, when it seems like they're at rock bottom because of that perception itself. Because to them, unfortunately, so many of the times asking for help is a sign of weakness. It's an acceptance that I couldn't do it. It's an acceptance that I'm a failure. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I think that's a really kind of good response. And I think people might have to just dig a bit deeper than just kind of wait. They It manifests itself in, in, a, in a health 
outcome, you know, like things like sore knees or because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're carrying too much weight or those other chronic conditions, which it sounds like a lot of men put off going to the doctor. I mean, no one loves going to the doctor or the dentist or any of those things, but, you know, obviously that's, that's kind of to me the end of the line. And, I, yep. and it sounds like you need there's steps you can take before you get to that point. Changing tack a little bit, what impact do you think fatherhood has on men's well-being? And a lot of studies have shown that, you know, obviously becoming a parent, particularly mm-hmm. new fathers, it's an exciting time. I've, you know, our family's been through that a number of years ago. I've got teenagers now, so it's a while ago for me. Yeah. But, you know, there is a sort of impact in terms of your finances, your employment, your changes in mm-hmm. sleep. Oh, my gosh, that's the worst. And obviously mm-hmm. the housing needs and the things, the sense of responsibility that a lot of men traditionally probably still feel even in a yeah. very equal world. Mm-hmm. Mental health, all those things come into it. I think, you know, the flip side is it's often a couple of years later and without wanting to body shame anyone, you know, that term dad bod is also a thing that we talk about in Australia and and Mm -hmm. it feels like there's an internal well-being piece but also the visual side of it. And as you get older, obviously, we all do carry more weight. You know, it's harder to lose weight, lose Mm -hmm. muscle mass, all those things a lot quicker. What are some of the things that you know, we should be thinking about, I mean, going to the gym seems like a really obvious one, but, you know, there's work stresses, there's substance abuse, there's it's just easy things to kind of hang yeah. your fitness on. What to you defines that point of well-being that people can kind of manage around this particularly challenging stage of life where it's very exciting, but there's massive changes and often your life doesn't ever go back to the days pre-fatherhood. So my example of becoming a mother is, you know, I used to go to the gym every day at 5 a.m. Well, that was nearly impossible with two young children. So what's your views on, on kind of, I guess, how we help people through this phase? That's a fantastic question. I mean, uh, I think there's two things that need to take place. Uh, The first thing is on the practical side of things, right? At the end of the day, like you said, when you become a father or a mother or a parent, and I'm not speaking on this because I have kids myself, I'm speaking on this because I've seen 300 plus guys who have kids. And so I've seen it over multiple lifetimes, over every scenario that you can think of. Practically speaking, it is not possible for parents to dedicate the same amount of time and energy mentally and physically to their health as they could have before they had children, just practically speaking. Yeah. And that's a really good acknowledgement that it will never be quite the same, obviously, unless you're a celebrity, that's the difference, right? Where you've got an totally. army of people that come to you and sort out your life, including right. your family. Right. Unless you somehow have the resources to set yourself up in a way where you can dedicate that exorbitant amount of time. So the good news about this is that practically speaking, and this is almost frustrating to me as a practitioner, when I see so many of the social media trends and the methods that people use, but practically speaking, the amount of time that it would take for anyone, man, woman, father, child, to get healthy. I'm not saying to be a professional bodybuilder or something like that or be the fittest man on earth. To get healthy and develop a strong, fit body that enhances the quality of their life is so low compared to what people perceive it to be. It's not hours in the gym every single day out of the week. And most of our clients themselves, they're working out maybe three to four times a week for around 25 to 45 minutes in each one of those workouts. So So, it's time effective. That's what I'm hearing. That's kind of the key to it, making it efficient. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And that's something that I want to communicate to any of the listeners who are thinking, man, like 
Okay. I get that. But I, I thought I had to be in the gym for you know an hour and a half, two hours every single day. That was the only way for me to reach my goals. If you're in that situation, then it is of the utmost importance for you to learn the principles of body transformation. You need to learn how to effectively put on muscle and lose fat and do it the right way with your training. Because yes, people who work out an hour and a half to two hours in the gym every single day, they see great results. But if they knew what they were doing, they can see those same results are better in much less time. There's a slogan that I throw around inside our community with all the men. And the slogan is something like, we are the men who get more out of one set than everybody else in the gym gets out of three because we understand the principles of training. We train so much more efficiently. We get a higher return on our time investment. So if you're one of those parents who's thinking, man, I can, I can dedicate an hour and a half of my week spread out at some point to working out for sure, because that's you know only half the time I spend watching Netflix. I was going to say, that's, three, that's like one and a half episodes of, of your favorite Netflix show. Let's, yeah. put that, let's put it into perspective. It's not a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. I can, I can dedicate that amount of time, but in order for that time to be effective, you need to know what you're doing. Because if you go in there and you're doing whatever it is that, you know, you learned from your football or rugby coach or Australian football coach in high school, and um, you're not actually using that time efficiently, then of course you're not going to see great results, right? Yeah. And no results demotivating. You give up. I mean, that's just human nature. Yes. How could you expect yourself to continue justifying that time investment if you're not seeing a return on that time investment? Absolutely. No, I think that that's great advice for people. So going back into the business mindset now, what do you think the secret sauce is for default kings and to help you keep kicking those business goals and succeeding? And if you wouldn't mind sharing, what's your plan? What's next for the business? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. So, what I think is our uh, our secret sauce, so to speak, and what we'll continue to lean on because it's been our our highest leverage asset is the intangible quality of human connection and trust building and relationship building that all three of us as 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 uh, owners of the company have. A lot of the connections that we made and a lot of the opportunities that we've taken advantage of have come way of connecting with people and building real relationships. Right, the people who join our program, they're not just guys who were sold on some amazing fitness program. These are guys who align with our values. These are guys who trust us personally. These are guys who we work with personally and we get to know personally. We're even having events in person where we're getting to give all our online clients a hug in real life. And we believe that that human connection is so, so, so pivotal when it comes to influencing someone's actions. Like me as a coach, if I want somebody to do something to help themselves, if I'm looking at a man and that man, if he were just able to get to the gym three times a week and he could be so much healthier for his family and he can extend his life expectancy, I'm going to have such a better chance of doing that if that man trusts me as a person than yeah. if he just sees me as a random personal trainer that he hired. So a huge focus for us that has brought us to this point and that will continue to amplify is our ability to personally connect with the people who we serve, our ability to build trust with the people that we serve. Because if we're connected to them, they will be more inclined to follow our advice and be consistent and be held accountable and see results. What's the best advice either in business or in life that you've ever been given and why? The best advice that I've been given, I'll answer in business because I'm, I'm, I'm 23 years old and I probably haven't heard the best life advice I've heard. <laughs> I'll come back um, to you when you're my age, yeah. which is you know 20 plus years older. So there you go. 
There we go. Yeah. Well, we'll and I still don't know everything. So I think that's the key. I think I thought I knew everything at 23, if that makes you feel any better. <laughs> yes, exactly. I feel like I probably would have been that 23 year old if I had an answer to that question. <laughs> but um, in business at this point, and this is a piece of advice that I come back to, especially in reference to people who are starting businesses. But in the beginning, the best piece of, of advice that I got was that you're going to get paid directly in proportion to the amount of value that you provide the market. So if you're wondering why nobody is buying your service, it's because they don't perceive it as valuable enough. If you're wondering why your clients don't stay, it's because your service is good enough. It's not because people are stupid and they don't know how smart you are and they don't know how good you are and they don't care how much you tried. It's because you are not providing enough value. As we continue to constantly improve the value of what we deliver to people, people continue to stay longer and buy again. As we continue to simply increase the value that we can provide people as men, they continue to come towards us. They continue to buy from us. So best piece of, of business advice that I've gotten up to this point is you're going to get paid directly in proportion to the amount of value that you provide the market. I think that's great advice. If we spoke again in a year's time, Gay, what would be your number one goal to have achieved in the business and why? My number one goal to achieve in the business in this next year is a million followers across social media on all platforms. Not because I view those followers as some sort of vanity metric, but because I know that every single one of the people who is viewing our content or interacting with our community is one of the people who has voted themselves towards this mission that we have that is helping fathers get healthy for their families, whether they're in the program or just supporting or following along and watching the success of the program. I want as many people in the world to know that it's possible. I want as many fathers to know that they are capable. So I want to reach the masses with this message and with this message of hope and excitement that we're not doomed as fathers to be these unhealthy men who sacrifice ourselves to take care of our families and end up not even being able to take care of them because of that. Absolutely. So just a final takeaway message for us today as we wrap up on this conversation around the politics of men's health. Final takeaway message. I didn't have this prepared, but I think after having this discussion with you, the biggest message I would love for your listeners to take away is that you are capable, that you are not doomed, that you are not your past, that if you find yourself in that cycle of negative self-talk, or if you find yourself identifying with your mistakes and with your failures, that those are the exact thoughts that lead to the destructive habits. And it's not going to be some new magic pill. It's not going to be some new magic program. It's not going to be some new magic diet. It's going to be the combination of you knowing what to do, whether you figure it out yourself or you get help, practically speaking, but also doing the internal work in your mind to make sure that your actions are reinforced by your fundamental self-identity, that your actions are reinforced by your belief. Because if you have the combination of that. Very profound, I have to say. You will check it out. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great lesson. Like literally some people just give me like one line, but you've obviously, mm-hmm. you know, try to give us something which people can marinate as they reflect on this podcast today. And if you do want to connect further with Gabe and with Default Kings, there are some details on the show notes. It's been a pleasure to have you on the Politics of Everything. Take care. Thanks so much for listening today. If you've enjoyed the Politics of Everything, I thrive on your feedback. So please add a short review and share the podcast with your network through Apple, 
Spotify, and all the usual suspects. I'm always on the hunt for new and diverse guests. So if you or someone you know has a fresh idea, you're busting to get out there, please email me at amber at amberdanes.com and my crew will get back to you very soon.